Hello, everybody. This is the War on 94 Sports Podcast. I'm here. This is Evan. And it's your boy, Frank, as well. We're hey. here to break some stuff down, talk, talk about the latest in Milwaukee and Chicago sports. Let's get right into it. We're going to actually not go football, baseball. We've done that a lot of times these past couple episodes. We're going to go oh, yeah. into a, a little curveball here, get some hockey going. Frank, yes. with the Chicago Blackhawks, um, we had a little draft this weekend, I think we did. Did we not? Yeah, we actually did. Uh, really, the only the only hockey team we can talk about because Wisconsin, for some reason, does not have an NHL hey, team. But don't you dare disrespect the Milwaukee Admirals like Milwaukee that. Admirals, the the minor league. Yeah, eh, we'll disrespect them for a little bit. But anyways, <laughs> uh, the Blackhawks did have a draft this weekend. They picked up a left winger, a two way guy uh, in Lucas Reichel out of Germany. He's eighteen years old. He's quick. Uh, he's got great passing ability. Um, only thing is, probably won't be in the NHL for about two years. Uh, just not really ready body-wise. Um, still a little undersized, but he's—I mean—he's so young. So you, you kind of expect that kind of stuff. And with the NHL, usually comes guys not coming straight away. Sort of like a, a major league baseball type of system, going to juniors or hitting the AHL beforehand usually playing with their team out either in, or they can play in college after being drafted. Um, they have a lot of choices, a lot of, a lot more freedom uh, as young players in the NHL. But um, overall, it really looks like the Blackhawks are heading into a rebuild, uh, you know, picking a guy like Reichel, not quite the way you want to get it started, especially at number 17 in a draft. But after this season, it kind of looks like they're heading that way. Um had a bit of a talent dump, let go of Corey Crawford after 14 seasons and just traded away Brandon Saad for the second time. So, I mean, it looks like we're headed for kind of a change in direction. A team that the last three, you know, 10 years, excuse me, has been, has won three Stanley Cups and has always been at the top of the NHL in terms of competition and uh, success. But you know the core is getting old, and it's time to you know make a change. What did they What did they get for Sod? Uh, they got a pair of uh, defensemen, a couple of twenty five year old guys. Really, not nothing to move the needle. Um, hey, you always need defensemen, though. Sure, I mean, sure, it definitely you know it's depth and it helps with that sort of issue, but um, they're not really going to be any sort any sort of. Uh, you know, world eaters that we kind of need to keep keep competitive in a division, the central division that is the best probably in the NHL with every team, almost a, a Stanley Cup uh, contender every season going forward. So uh, we still have guys like Patrick Kane. We have Jonathan Tays. Uh, we got Seabrook and Keith still in the defensive, uh, you know, the defensive zone, but they're not really doing what they used to. Patrick Kane, you could say, is still putting up numbers comparable with like an MVP type guy. But everyone else, you, they're going to ride out. I mean, they're going to retire Blackhawks. You got to keep those guys as, you know, pieces to help and uh, be leaders for the young guys that come in. But overall, I mean, I'm not super excited for this team. So the idea of a rebuild is, doesn't really make me crazy. Well, no, but you when you think about what you've been the past ten years, it's definitely something where you can, you know, you look back and you understand that like when you have that kind of sustained success, you know, unless you have 
a dynasty where you have a successful coach um, and they, they fired Q. So clearly that they didn't think yeah. that was the answer. Um, but if, unless you have like long-term success with a sustainable office and coach, you're not going to have, you're not going to have that 20, 30 year success. It's going to be a, a, a surge and then a little bit of a lull. And I don't think it'll be too long. I obviously hoping that these, these guys pan out to the way they expect them to be. Um, you got a two way forward and that, it, that's a nice little spot to have. Um, mm-hmm. And you'll get back to where you wanted to be as a, as a Hawks fan. It's not going to be, um, you got a smart front office. You got a, you got guys that are ready. Well, I wouldn't quite say that. Our, our general manager, Stan Bowman is kind of a, yeah. I mean, he's an idiot. The guy yeah, makes. We don't have a smart front office. Yeah, so. no, we don't have, we don't have him as a smart person in our front office and he's the head of it. So, you know, you got to cut the head of the snake off and that's in those terms, you got that he's, he deserves to be fired. He started this rebuild too late. We should have started it three years ago after they got swept out of the playoffs by the Predators as the number one seed. The Blackhawks were the number one seed, got swept straight out. And ever since then, we just have been in this kind of you know middle ground fighting for the playoffs. This year, we made it only because of this expanded bubble that the NHL had. And really, they should have been – they were the last place team in the West. Like, I mean, you don't – if you're the last place team in your conference – you have no point. You have no place in the playoffs, and then it just puts us in the worst draft position because now we get the 17th pick when we could have been picking top five. You know, we would have been. We would have had a better chance in the lottery. We would have. We would have been in the lottery if we hadn't made the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, it just kind of seems like too, a little bit too little, too late. Obviously, we should. We should probably be like a year or two into this rebuild, but at this point. So but, what you're saying is Cubs on ice. Yeah. No, I mean, <laughs> the Cubs with way more success. <laughs> well, okay. We don't have to go that far. Yeah. The, the the hockey playoffs are far less fluky than the baseball playoffs. Oh, true. I mean, it's it's a fucking – it's a fight for sure. Colleton, he's the head coach of the Blackhawks. Jeremy Colleton, young, but just, just doesn't seem to be the kind of guy you want to be leading this team. He doesn't really have great control of the locker room. They don't really seem to respect him very much. Um, he seems like n- – the guy, he was kind of – he came in, they fired Coach Q after three three Stanley Cups. Uh, they got swept out of the playoffs in his last full season, and then he made it about a quarter of the way through the 2018-19 season before they fired him. They, we need a guy like that to come in who knows what he's talking about. We don't need some guy who just gets brought up, you know, gets a promotion because, you know, from the AHL team, I mean – he deserves to be down in a, as an AHL coach if he's down there. I mean, keep him down there and bring in somebody who can really show these guys some experience and how to act as one of the you know premier franchises in the NHL. Fair enough. You want you want a seasoned vet who knows how to command the locker room, right? Is that too much to ask for? Is that too much? To, I mean, taking the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> Well, there you go. There's your there's your ten minute ten minute hawk talk right there. Yeah. Um, Are you happy now, Jeff Davidson? Are you happy? That's my coworker. There you go. Well, tell him that we'll get more into hockey talk as the as the season progresses and gets closer to an actual actual existence, right? Exactly. Um, But we'll go switch to a season that isn't full existence right now, unless the Titans, you know. Fuck it up. Um, we'll switch over to the NFL. Uh, since we've last recorded, the Bears have had uh, two games and two very different looking games. Two very different results. I mean, 
as an outsider, I wanted to start with this. As an outsider, you know, you're not a Bears fan. We all know that. Uh, what were your thoughts on these last two games? What can you take away from these two games that, you know, would make you as a Bears fan, how would you feel well, after these two games? Yeah, so I will never be a Bears fan. As you, have, right, right, right. you absolutely said there was no chance, no way in hell. Um, but I think I think the – the Thursday night game has to put the Sunday game into perspective, right? You know, you, Foles was a starter going into that, and you've seen two games from him. Um, you you played a tough defense in Indy who, in a lot of metrics, they're leading the NFL as far as defensive efficiency and and points allowed, kind of things mm-hmm. like that. Like, they are, oh, yeah. they are a – They're ferocious. You do not want to match up against that. And DeForest Buckner – that has been one of the trades of this year, probably for that indie team. They have Massive found a three tech who can just clog up that inside and just be a nightmare. Mm-hmm. Um, and you pair that with the speed they have laterally in their linebacker core and just all across the field. Frank Reich is developing a, a solid team there. And I think if you get a real team, a real quarterback, that's not Phillip rivers. Their secondary is insane. Also secondary is insane. Yeah, absolutely. Rocky has seen that young draft pick. Um, and you got Xavier Rhodes turning around. Mm-hmm. Probably needed just a change of scenery, and he is he is starting to be. I mean, he was named against the Jets, which is not that hard to do. Against the Jets, he was named a, um, NFC Defensive Player of the Week or AFC Defensive mm-hmm. Player of the Week. Like that is you know all props to him because last year they did not look like Rhodes were closed anymore. It was it was throw at Rhodes and see what happens because you're probably going to fucking win that match. Wide open spaces. It, literally, it was. Rhodes are wide open. Go for it. Four-lane highway, you know? No traffic. Um, Yeah, no traffic whatsoever, <laughs> Um, which is not what it used to be. I mean, you you go back, you hearken back to three, four years ago when he was going up against AB because they could train in the offseason, you know? And those were the guys that were just dueling it out. Like, that was, that was the prime matchup to watch is when you, mm. you got that lucky, you know, but he's not that anymore. And and the fact that the that Nick Foles first started against that surging defense, it definitely let a lot left a lot of Bears fans frustrated. And I, I get it because it looked it was a boring game to watch. Oh my God. Painful. It was there was nothing that until the last two minutes. And I wasn't even and at that point I'm not even you know, I'm not excited about it anymore that we're getting garbage points. And he finally started to look a little more comfortable. You know, he started to sort of get his bearings and they were stretching the field, especially with Allen Robinson. Yeah. Um, it's a human offense, maybe that, a little too late. that cushion, you know? Yeah. Um, well, and you're absolutely right. And then, and then you saw it even this week, you kind of saw the point where, um, so they, they, they started the game out and you're like, all right, this is, this is it. Like everyone was like, Nick Foles is only good as a backup. This is the only thing mm-hmm. he can do. Is it was come the first on. Come the first quarter and a half was paint was horrific to watch. I mean, yeah, and I was. All of a sudden, you just flip the switch, and you know, I mean, so it was. It was. I feel like it's a drive separated. It was the the last drive where he looked awful was that that throw to Mooney, mm-hmm. where where Mooney ran an incredible oh. route. Which, by the way, oh. to him, I am so high on him as a wide receiver prospect. Yeah, he was a steal. Yeah, and he ran that route. Gorgeous! It was a little deke in and fake out to the to the kind of to the sideline. Really and, showed off the speed. Yeah, exactly, and it, and it worked perfectly. But Foles fucking threw it forty five yards wide of him. Oh. Was trying to and and he was like, "What are what what field are we on here?" And it yeah. was especially frustrating at that point because you saw it was what four, 13 nothing at that point. thirteen nothing. Yeah, the Bears were down two possessions. They hadn't done anything on offense, and you see something like that. 
where the receiver just hits everything he's supposed to do and the quarterback can't do his job, which is the one thing you need to happen. And then I remember, I remember texting you and yelling at him. Yeah. I was like, what is this? And I showed my coworker who's a Bears fan. I was it's, like, what the fuck is this? And it's something you thought that when we got rid of, when we moved on from, when, you know, we bench Mitch Trubisky, we bring in Nick Foles. You expect him to make those throws. Right. I mean, you expect Mitch Trubisky to overthrow him, but you don't expect Nick Foles to come in and throw 15 yards to the right and nearly out of bounds when he's got no pressure in the pocket. I right. Mean, Absolutely. That is a, that's an easy NFL throw. Any, any quarterback should be able to make that mm-hmm. easy touchdown. But overall, I did really enjoy watching him on Thursday. I felt like he he did make a big turnaround. He They started to click. He was making good play, good passes out of the backfield. You know, really using those, uh, you know, Mont- Monty and Patterson, how they should be used. I mean, they should be running those kind of plays with them on those wheel routes. I think that was the point. Like that kind of drive that it ended in, I think it was a field goal or, or I don't know. I, it wasn't great. But that was the point where you saw that flip. And you mm-hmm. saw, like, you know, maybe maybe Mooney and him got together and him and the wide receivers got together on the sideline and they just had another conversation, right? But that was the point where it clicked. And, you know, because they went from 13-0 down to 14-13 leading at halftime. Oh, yeah, in a snap. I mean, in those last two minutes of the second quarter, they really were putting it together. Monty got the touchdown, and then they came back down. Foles was making big throws. He was great on third down this week. Really great uh, converting on third down, which is something the Bears have really struggled on going uh, the last couple of weeks and even in the last season. But the throw he made to Jimmy Graham, that back shoulder throw in the back in the corner of the oh end zone. Oh, my God. What a, catch. what a catch by Jimmy Graham. That was vintage stuff. He has looked fantastic this year. As a Packers the, fan, I wanted to throw my hat across the room because – I really couldn't ask for more from him. You, We paid this man so much goddamn money and – and we didn't use him in the red zone. We used him in from the twenty in in between the twenties. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he would come down with a catch like that. But he would also catch a ball in open space, and you'd try and run some shit down. He has center blocks for feet. He's lumber. He's a lumbering kind of guy. Yeah, but he's still got the hands. Yes. As he clearly demonstrated, he is incredible, and that is what he is now. He's going to be that that just menacing red zone target where you know that no matter what, when you're inside the 20, you find him in the end zone and you throw the ball to him. And it doesn't matter if you have a, I mean, you could have Darius Leonard on him if he's healthy and, and he's not going to guard that. There's just no way because he one armed the shit out of that ball. And it's just, it's next level. Like it's just, it's prime Jimmy Graham. Yeah. Where, okay. So we saw the offense kind of bounce back in this in this uh bucks game you know 20 points two two really good drives and then they, they kind of held on for the rest of the game made plays when they needed to make plays but i still think that matt Nagy is not this offensive genius that we were like promised you know yeah. we, you, mean, were hoping, you were hoping from that guy from the andy Reid tree right the chiefs right who who really turned alex smith's career around turned him into a guy who got a huge contract from washington you know he where i mean he there was by the way shout out to the fact that, that alex smith was on the field today for a football game oh my every time he got tackled i was l- losing my shit i mean yeah. The guy is held together by uh, glue and uh, saran wrap at this point. <laughs> I mean, it's it is so scary knowing that he is walking around out there with a bionic leg. But if he if he starts more than one game this year, he's literally the shoe and vote for comeback player of the year. He has oh. to be. 
the fact that guy, I mean, if you watched the 60 on him and you saw what the shit he went through to get back to the point where he could just practice with a football team, it's it's unreal. The it's football crazy. team, sir. The football team. The football team. You're absolutely right. But even then, it just like a professional football team, and he can still do it after what after what he went through with the. I mean, it's just nuts. But keep going, anyways. What a great what a great story. But any anyway, but back to Matt Nagy, he. It's just not the kind of guy we – I mean, I don't know. He frustrates the hell out of me. He he will come after the, after the game and complain about all the stuff he didn't do during the game. It's like, man, you are the head coach. You are supposed to be the one making those decisions. I know you're not the offensive coordinator. We have a guy you know, who is the offensive coordinator. But, I mean, you're this offensive genius. Why are you going back and backtracking like we should have ran the ball? Like against the Colts, we should have ran the ball more. Yeah, no shit. You give David Montgomery 10 touches – I don't care how good the defense is. That's not going to help you at all. And then against, you know, against the the Bucks, it was bad clock management. At the end of the game, we're up 20 to 19. We're coming down the field. We're in Bucks territory and we're throwing back throwing to the, the ball with a minute left. I mean, you could be running with the goat on the other side of the field ready to come up come in. The former goat. I don't know if he's quite the goat anymore, but we'll talk about that. We it's can get we can get to that. Come on now. But I mean, Matt Nagy is just—he's an idiot. He—he he yeah. said after the after the after the game against the Chargers last year, he said, "I am not an idiot." I refute that point, sir. You are an idiot. <laughs> you are such an idiot, and you do not deserve to have a job with this football team. I don't care if we make the playoffs. I mean, I really don't feel like he's making much of a dent in the success of this team. I mean, what do you think in that in those terms? Well, no, and I think we'll we'll get. I, I this brings me to the point I want to make about the Bears. I think first of all, you reflect back to last year. I think the biggest hire and the biggest success for this team is is the fact that Chuck Pagano is now your defensive coordinator. Um, you go and you look. Um, I don't know if you've seen this, but um, I will reflect to the Bears Over Beers podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, they were running a stat and they he they I think they said they estimated that like three out of five times when you hold a team to 40 or 20 or less points um that you that the team wins so mm-hmm. so um and actually they went back and they looked at all the scores and they found out that actually it's not even three out of five times it's four out of five times so when you hold okay. a team to 20 or less points you have an 80 percent chance to win the game right um so then I went and looked at it as to what that means for the Bears um so 2018 the that was like the offseason going into 2018 was when you got Khalil Mack Mm -hmm. and that was when that defense turned into what they are like the best day of my life you absolutely as it as it should be that that was a day of of reckoning for all the NFC North teams is what where what if you what do we feel about this um so acquire since acquiring the since acquiring Khalil Mack in 2018 um, once they started that season, the Bears from that point until now, so roughly two and a quarter seasons, they are twenty four and thirteen, which is decent, right? And yeah. when you look at that alone, you're like, that. wow, that really puts things in perspective. Like you had a really incredible season, and you didn't, you know, Cody Parkey did what he did and fucked you out of the season. But you, you know, you look at that regular season record, you're not, you're not disappointed. Twenty four and thirteen in in two and a half seasons, that's that's a pretty solid start. So mm-hmm. break down even further. When you hold teams to 20 points or less, 20 and four. 
So that is seven out of eight wins, basically, I think. Yeah, that's what – I mean, that's really all we need to do for this defense. Absolutely. And then and then you you break that down a little further. In the 2018 season, which is the first season that you had Mac, that was the season of all the Bears' success. That's, that's 11-0. and 0. But even still, so 20 wins when when holding teams to 20 or less, and then four wins when giving up more than 20. Like that, like the fact that that you are maintaining that defensive success, and you you felt like you lost it last season, but you brought Pagano in, and it looks to be back now. Like that is the bread and butter of this team, and it doesn't matter who you throw it at quarterback or running back or wide it's receiver. Been, it's been the bread and butter of this franchise my entire life. I it mean, absolutely, you has. Can always count on the defense from when I was younger, and it was Brian Urlacher, it was Peanut Tillman, it was Lance Briggs, it was Alex Brown. You know, on and on and on and on for years, it was. You know, who cares who's at quarterback? Don't mess up enough so that we can have the defense come out here, make plays, get turnovers, create touchdowns. Something they don't quite do as much as I would hope. I don't really have that same feeling when they're out on the field, but I do trust them for the most part to make plays to keep us in games. Well, so two things. One, first of all, forever and always, defense wins championships. Of course. That will have, that will always be true, no matter what era of football we're in. But I will also say, as I, as I say that, we're in a more offensive era of things, right? Yes, definitely. And that, and that plays into it. You, you look at, yeah, you're not creating the turnovers you want to, but that's because you have quarterbacks dicing you up for fucking 6,700 yards on pace before Dak Prescott rips his ankle out of the socket today, right? <laughs> So it's a, but uh, yeah, that's a sad point on its own, but that's the thing, right? It just, it football, like the, the, it, it changes, right? So it's not, it's not the high percentage turnover because you have guys like Phillip rivers completing 10 yards or 20 yards death of target, but they have a 75% completion percentage and sure. they're winning football games. But as long as you as a defense are getting down to the red zone and saying, Nope, you're not going anywhere. It's a field goal or bust here. Like that's, like that's going to win you games because yes. you know you can turn it around and get your offense to score whether it's Nick Foles or it's Risky or whoever. Or whoever. We just Jay we don't Cutler. need we don't need Nick Foles to be all pro. We don't need him to be a pro bowler. We need him to be not making mistakes, hitting guys on passes that he should be hitting, like I.e. Daryl uh, Mooney, Darnell Mooney, excuse me, streaking down the field, middle of the field, wide open. You got to hit those throws. We don't need you to be you know, 4,000 yards, like 40 touchdowns, none of that. You know what the Bears need to be doing? Running the ball, handing the ball to your workhorse running back, dumping out, you know, play, you know, using play action where, where Nick Foles thrives and just doing enough to have, make sure our defense can eat, can feast. It's I mean, almost as if the era of smash mouth, run pound defensive and running f- football is, is coming back. Yeah, so everyone, say because this is the era of the past, but it it's like it's coming. The air raid, the air raid offense is every you know is the whole thing, and that's why they brought that's like why they brought a guy like uh, why Matt Nagy has a job for the Bears because he was the guy who could bring that kind of offense to the Bears. But that's not what we need. That's not Bears football. That's not, what, that's not how we get success. We need to be running the football, making plays where we can on the pass, and then relying on our defense to you know do their thing. Well, and honestly, also too, like it might be the era of air raid, right? But mm-hmm. if the team can sit there and have a successful formula of we're going to run the ball and give a running back 20 to 20, 20 to 30 touches a game, whether it's through the air or on the ground, 
and then you you win the game of defense like that can that can really put a a damper in an air raid offense right because mm-hmm. because the air raid offense is predicated on being on the field so yeah. you, you know you look at the the only teams in the pat mahomes era who have beaten the chiefs are the teams that are able to really control the line of scrimmage offensively and defensively and just run the ball and control the clock milk that clock because the, the longer you keep the air raid quarterback on the sidelines the less effective he's going to be it's just it's mm-hmm. simple math exactly so if you have a defense like the bears do with talent from the d line to the secondary just control that clock and have a quarterback and a running game that can do that and you're good to go Exactly. We don't need much more than that. I don't need to be outscoring. You know, I don't need to be getting into shootouts. I don't need to be watching that as a Bears fan. I need to see our defense, you know, putting pressure on the quarterback, causing, you know, causing takeaways and our offense doing enough to put us, you know, in those positions and keeping our defense off the field. We don't need our defense coming on the field so often. We need to be, you know, playing the possession game uh, and running the ball down people's throats because that's what, what David Montgomery can do. But yeah. If he's only getting ten to fifteen touches a game, I, it doesn't. I don't care who he is; he's not going to be making that big of an effect on on the field. So, I'm hoping that Matt Nagy can see that, but I know he's just going to want to keep using his little trick plays and fancy little gadget guys like Cordero Patterson. I mean, Cordero Patterson, I will say, fantastic kick returner, one of the best in the game, no doubt. Um, he really he put us in good field position multiple times on Thursday against uh, the Buccaneers, but you can't rely on that. And I, I hate, hate, I've probably said it on every episode of this podcast. I hate him out of the backfield, like getting draws. You and me both, brother. You and me both. I mean, third and three against the Colts, and we hand the ball to Cordell Patterson to try to get us to first down. What what the hell? Like, are you kidding me? Like, why did we think that was the play to make? I mean, we have a guy like David Montgomery who you pick with your. Ah, I mean, it just it made absolutely no sense how well, much they have this infatuation. It was the same thing with Tree Cohen last year, and now it's Cordero Patterson and Matt Nagy is so obsessed with these, you know, little gadget guys. It was Cordero Patterson last year too. And that's, that's the, the infuriating. Not as much on this. No, he was not getting, he was not in the backfield. He was not, I mean, he, he, well, he, no, slot. he, he was like, the infuriating thing is it was, so now, you know, to me, it looks like it was last year was a timeshare between Montgomery Cohen and Patterson. Mm-hmm. And now you just have Montgomery and Patterson because he literally can't run Cohen because Cohen's sitting on the sidelines. Right. He's a torn ACL. Right. And that's what's still so infuriating is like, and yes, I want to sit here and say credit to Cordero Patterson. He's figuring out how to run. He actually does have decent runs out the middle mm-hmm. and figure out how to run as a halfback. But that's not what you want. You no. draft this guy. You tout everybody in their cousin touted him as this, this, this four down back who could do everything you want ever want to do. He could catch. He could run. He could pass. He could block. He could, he could do all the shit. And you could throw. Even. A kick return specialist that you're paying five mil a year for in the backfield on third down situation. Make it make sense. I mean, it, you or can't because I'm a Packers fan. I don't know why I complain this. <laughs> it's fine. Uh, but yeah, Cordell Patterson, grab some bench, give the ball to Monty. You know, let him do his thing. Why? You know, 
why keep him around if we're going to be doing this kind of if we're going to be having Cordero Patterson take it on a, a third and short? I mean, it, it it makes no sense for this for this team. Run the damn ball, let the defense do their thing, and Nick Foles don't stay out of trouble. How about that? I what are your thoughts on possible? So I've heard rumors about uh, you know Bears looking like they're going to decline. You know they've already declined the fifth year option on Mitch. Let him walk at the end of the season. I mean, there's the option of taking, depending on where we end up in the draft. You know, you got you can get somebody in the first round. Trey Lance, come on down from North Dakota State. I'd love to have a guy like him in the offense. Trey Lance only works if you get if you hire Eric Bieniemy. Oh, <laughs> sign me up for that. Well, that's Eric what I'm saying. Do you have to get rid of? I do not want Trey Lance going to the Chicago Bears if if Matt Nagy is still the head coach. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see what happens at the end of the season. I, I don't you know. Fucking ruin Trey Lance like that. I will never like the Bears ever again in my entire life. When have you ever liked the Bears? Double down on that take. <laughs> <laughs> now you now you doubly don't like us. Um, yeah, but exactly. I've also heard talk of a guy like Sam Darnold, who listen. I mean, the Jets are trash. He is young. He has talent. He's got a great arm. You put him in a system. Oh, breaking news. Falcons just fired. Uh, oh, I was going to say that. Yeah, I saw that earlier. Oh, my bad. No, you're good. Um, we can go into that now because that's going to come up when we talk about the the, uh, the Packers because I was going to go, why does Dan Quinn have a job? Good news. He doesn't have a job anymore. <laughs> Both him and the Falcons GM have been fired. Oh, um, so it's a full revival job in in Atlanta right now. Um, but yes, you're absolutely right. Breaking news: the both both Thomas Dimitrov and Dan Quinn have been relieved of their duties, which which was to be expected. But when you lose to the Carolina Panthers with Teddy Bridgewater, all up to Teddy Bridgewater. But when mm-hmm. you lose to the Carolina Panthers without CMC and Ted, Teddy Bridgewater as their starting quarterback, you're going to lose your job. So. I mean, zero and five. Who really? Who saw that coming? I didn't see that coming. I didn't think they were going to be that bad. But Falcons? I didn't think they were going to be zero and five. Watch their defense. No, I mean now I have, but like after <laughs> last season, they had a good, they had a nice ending to the season, and then I feel like they at that saved Dan Quinn, and now he came in, and after watching them the first five games, obviously I can see why he got fired, well, but I, I wouldn't, I didn't expect this start from them. The reason the reason Dan Quinn saved his job last year is because he gave up defen- defensive play calling duties. He's supposed to be this defensive minded head coach, right? So, and I'll flash you back to last year. You go back and you watch those first f- probably four to six games, and the Falcons' defense was absolute garbage. He realized during their bye week that that he was not whatever he was doing was not cutting it. He relinquished the duties to the D coordinator. I don't know who it is. But he relinqu- I know he did relinquish the duties of, of defensive play calling to somebody else. He delegated that, and they turned it around. And they absolutely. And to to a head coach's credit, you have to realize when you when you're faulting, and when you need to give up, you know, de- delegate right or yes, exactly. somebody else who can do it better than you. That is that is the a number one re- responsibility of a leader. You don't have to do it all yourself, Bill O'Brien. We're talking to you. You don't have to do it all <laughs> yourself. You just have to know when. You know, if you're not doing it the right way and somebody else can do it better, 
have them do it. And he did do that. And they were able to turn around and they finished seven and nine, which is for a team in that division with the talent they have is, isn't the worst thing in the world, but Mm -hmm. the Falcons ownership, I know they were finished that year and said, Hey, we're looking for better from you. And they did not get that They're Like you said, Oh, and five. That is a horrible start. That is God awful. They've lost to Teddy Bridgewater, who all respect to the man, but should not be beating a professional football team <laughs> with, with no CMC and his right. receivers are DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson. Like, let's yes. be real about this for a second. If he beats you, and and you only score thirteen points, I think the final score of that Six, game was twenty three sixteen. It was not good, and and Dan Quinn showed it. it based on that game and all the other four that we'll get to because one of them was against the Packers showed he deserves to be fired. And, and rightfully mm-hmm. so he was the next guy in the chopping block. It was Bill O'Brien, then him. And hopefully Adam Gase is next. Oh, Adam Gase should have been out the door already, but that's another story. Speaking of Adam Gase, Sam Darnold is a guy who should be on the trading block this off season with the jets coasting towards that first overall pick and, likely Trevor Lawrence to replace him. Uh, it looks like Sam Darnold should be available. How much, what do you think it would take for him? A fourth round pick third round pick. Well, I mean, what was the, what was the Rosen trade? Cause I think that would be a good framework for what, for what, well, I mean, a common coach in yeah. were in charge of the jets. They should look to the Rosen trade to try and recoup costs on that. Uh, so the Cardinals received the 62nd pick and a 2025th rounder. So a second and a fifth. A second and a fifth. I think that should be the price tag. Is it, it has to be a minimum second, first or second round pick to the Jets, right? If, yeah, definitely not give them a first round pick for if, that. Well, no, but if they're worth their salt, it's a quarterback, right? And quarterback- Oh, sure. I mean, he was, the, what, the number three pick overall? I mean, of course, they're going to want to get the most bang for their buck. Right. And a guy like Josh Rosen who has – has not had any sort of success in the NFL, whereas Darnold has has had, I mean, minor Darnold success. Has plenty of flashes. He can. He's yeah. shown that he can do he's, it in this league. He's going to be good once he gets on a team that can actually surround him with people who can. Once you know, he gets away from the hole of Adam Gaze, he'll be fine. Yeah, I mean, a, a guy put a guy like Darnold with Allen Robinson, who is a true number one in the NFL. A guy like Darnell Mooney, speedster Anthony Miller, who can make plays with the best of them. Well, you, got, you want proof? Of a quarterback escaping Darnold and or a quarterback escaping um, Gase. Gaze and being good, Ryan Tannehill. There you go, perfect example. That's the kind of guy. If the Bears had a guy like Ryan Tannehill, I would be over the moon right Absolutely. now. Absolutely. I mean, just a guy who does enough to get shit done. And I think that Sam Darnold has way more talent than a guy like Ryan Tannehill. You know, he can really he really has a lot of room to 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 grow and. You know what the weapons the Bears have. I think he could really flourish. I've also heard another another name we we discussed even in the past was Dwayne Haskins. I mean, he has looked to be traded before the buy at this point. Right. I mean, do you, if you're the Bears, do you try to grab him or do you wait till the off season? I mean, he's only in his second season. The he's already fell out of favor with the with the Washington football team with Rivera. In, yep. in, I mean, they they started a guy like. Kyle Allen, like, are you kidding me? You're gonna you're gonna drop your number seven pick for Kyle Allen, like that's I mean that's crazy to me. And then he got the, around, baby. the walking bandage out there after him. Uh, 
Alex Smith. Hey, I mean, that's what you're putting your hope. Disrespect on. Alex Smith like that, <laughs> Mr. Band Aid. Um, <laughs> uh, but I mean, you bring in a guy like that. Maybe we don't need to waste, you know, not wasting a draft pick, but like we don't need to use our first round draft pick on a quarterback when we can grab a guy like that who's still young, still untapped. You know, why not put a flyer out on a guy like that and have him learn under Foles? Maybe you keep Foles around. You know, obviously we have two more years on his contract. So we keep Foles around, let him, let these guys grow under him, learn from him, and take the role, take the reins when the time comes. Absolutely. Right. I mean, it really looks like at this point, unless Nick Foles gets hurt or, I mean, just really turns into like a Jimmy Garoppolo type performance today. I don't see any way they go back to Mitch Trubisky before the end of the no. season. No, well, and again, to be fair, right? Like we'll, we'll go back and reiterate the point. You saw you saw a moment in that Thursday night game where it kind of just seemed to gel. It all just mm-hmm. kind of seemed to click into gear. And it wasn't it wasn't great by any stretch of the imagination, but it certainly happened. You were having production. So, and that's all you can ask for is you can right. get a quarterback who's not afraid to throw the ball, throw deep, throw to a spot on the sideline, throw wherever, right? And you were seeing that chemistry just start to kind of turn into gear and kind of click into place. Exactly. And that's all you can ask for. I don't want, I, as a, as a, and I don't know why I'm saying this. I want, as a Packers fan, I want the Bears to give them all their ass and fucking panic to the rooftops. But <laughs> as a smart football team, right, you wouldn't want your guys to start giving up draft pick after draft pick for a guy like Darnold or for a guy like Haskins. Right. They probably are good. But if it costs too much, like, let's be sensible on everything and let's not, like, give up the farm for, for, for a guy who hasn't been able to produce yet because right. you've given up the farm to get a guy like Trubisky and look where y'all are. Right. Right. You have the farm to get Mac and Mac has been an incredible addition to the team as we've talked about. But even then you gave up how many first and second round picks to get that guy on your team. You at this point, you need the pick and you need to have that capital that if you're going to go four and 12, which I'm not saying they are going to go that, but if you're going to go four and 12 and end up in a spot where you can pick up quarterback high, like Trey Lance, like, Go grab that guy. Don't yeah. give that shit away for Sam Darnold. I still think that even if they fall to maybe the middle round, like 17, 18, 19, they'll still be able to be in the neighborhood to grab a guy like Trey Lance. He only is able to – he only played one game this season because yeah. um, they did yeah. cancel. Like a, it was like a showcase game really for him and for the rest of his teammates they like to say, but that's really for Trey Lance. The Bears had plenty of people from – scouting in front office there to take a look at him so i mean i think if even if we end up finishing you know middle of the pack we're still going to have a good shot and and you know maybe we'll be able to even move up for a guy like that if we feel like a team you know in the in the 14 15 range is looking to snag him right but if you trade a guy if you trade some of those assets away for a guy like haskins the deadline you're not going to get that right exactly i mean if we're grabbing haskins we're not grabbing we're not going to Grab, grab a guy like yeah, Trey Lance. You you have to hope that there that Pace and his crew, which I think at this point, for my mind, that's where the that's where the onus falls on is is oh no question. And it's, it's not about one, Nagy. Nagy, you can you can Nagy, Nagy came in and Trubisky was here. You know, it's like Trubisky was already here. He was the guy that Nagy was going to turn around, but he didn't draft him. He wasn't part of the team that helped draft him. I mean, at the time, Ryan Pace. Was the only one who knew that we that he wanted to get Trubisky, and he was he, he was the only one who knew for Jamal Adams. 
Right. That was the guy I wanted. And that was the guy that John Fox. Well, wanted. And I think there was a report recently that that was the yes. guy who everybody in the, in bears brass thought they were going for was exactly. Jamal Adams. Right. And, and then the court and fucking bears fan wouldn't want to see Jamal Adams in Navy blue and orange. Jamal Adams and uh, Eddie Jackson uh, playing safety together. I mean, I will retire as a Packers fan if I ever. I mean, are you kidding me? That would have been that would have been a show to watch just on its own. But Unreal. I mean, Ryan Pace definitely has a lot of this on his on his uh, on his back, and he he was hoping, I'm sure, that Trubisky would finally work out in his last year of his deal. But I mean, I I think before even Matt Nagy goes, you got to get rid of a guy like Ryan Pace because he's he's his poor draft record has led the Bears to mediocrity and i don't think he's the kind of guy you want in charge making those big decisions sort of like how we talked about the blackhawks at first he's you don't want some guy making these choices for your franchise that are going to change the course of the next five ten years when you draft a guy like trubisky at, at number two trade several draft picks to get to him you know but we can go on and i could go on and on all day <laughs> well so we are sitting at what week five now Yes, um, heading to week six after today. Right, so Bears are sitting four and one. Let's take a look at that upcoming schedule. You got you can run us through yeah. it here. Run sure. So uh, we got. I would say this is where the this is where it gets tough. This is where we're going to find out who the real Bears team is. A big win against a, a playoff team, playoff potential team, you know, in Tampa. Um, and now it's going to get to the meat of the schedule. We next week we go to Carolina, then we have um, LA on the road on Monday Night Football. I'm picking. I, I think the Bears should win next week against Carolina. Their defense should do enough to get past that team. I'm a little nervous about Mike Davis. I feel like he is, especially the Bears have struggled against the run, and he's been having a breakout season with no I Christian McCaffrey. To, I hate to break it to you, but I think a lot of pundits are expecting McCaffrey to be back next week. Well, I was. I'm hoping for Mike Davis. <laughs> <laughs> I hope Mike Davis is. I don't blame you. <laughs> I hope. Uh, hope uh, Christian McCaffrey's. You know, has a little ache that they want to hold him back for a, a second. Little, but, a little, a little nice one week setback, right? Yeah, and then so we got the then we got Rams on the road. I I, I feel like that's a loss. You got Saints at home. That feels like a W to me. They don't seem to be that same Saints team. As long as we can hold Drew Brees in check and uh, really put pressure on him. I mean, it's it really feels like we're going to go back and forth for the rest of the season. You got the Titans. I, that's a loss. Vikings win. Packers loss. Lions, Texans. I feel like those are two, I mean, should be wins for two against two bad teams. Vikings uh, on the road. I feel like that could be a loss. That's a, you know they're they're still a good team. They still have good weapons. They still have a strong defense. They've had a struggle. They struggled the first couple of weeks, but they're showing. Even tonight, we're watching it. They're really showing that their defense is not well. You know, not done and yet. Even offensive. They're really starting to figure themselves out. They're starting mm-hmm. to look like they they've recovered from the hiccup of getting Diggs gone, and they and they've lost a lot of key defensive pieces. But they're really starting to kind of come around and get that to gel together. I mean, and a guy like Dalvin Cook against this year's Bears rushing defense really makes me nervous. So, I mean, I feel like that could be a big a big yeah. change in the game. Um, and then we finished – so then we finished with uh, the Jaguars. I mean, that should be a dub after watching those guys play it against, against the Texans today. That is a mess of a franchise right now. And then finished with the Packers, which I feel is another loss. They are a freight train right now. So, I mean, that leaves us at 10, 10 and 6. 
I feel like that should be good enough to put us in second place in the division. And I mean, with the two, what is it, two wild card spots it's this a season? Seven team playoff situation. That that that. I, I think ten and six puts you in the playoffs. Yeah. So I mean, if we're playing, you know, we're playing five hundred ball down the down the uh, the end of the season. I can't complain about that if we're finishing ten and six. I say. Uh, but a lot of those games could go either way. I mean, these are a lot of teams that match up very evenly with the Bears. This division is shaping up with the Vikings coming on as of late. You know, they started off rough, but they'll 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 play spoiler down. They'll be right in there. You know, they'll be right in there. Absolutely, of course they will. Um, yeah. So there's no there's no no spitting on a ten and six record if that's what you expect. And I I think I agree with that. I think yeah. I think looking at their remaining schedule, like there's definitely some tough games, and I think we'll get into the, what I think the Packers will do. Um, in a little bit here, but there's definitely some tough games there. There's, yeah, you got some teams that, depending on what they do, will show up tough or show up like you'll put up 50 points against them. So you never, exactly, you never know. It's the NFL any, any given Sunday, but any given Sunday, yeah, damn. Well, speaking of the division leading Packers, let's get into them. They had a bye week this week, but coming off a trouncing of the Dan Quinless. Atlanta Falcons now. Now uh, Dan Quinless, but they were unfortunately when they when they walked into Lambeau last Sunday. Um, <laughs> and uh, Evan, what are your thoughts on? Well, we can talk about that all along. I don't know if it really means that uh, Jair Alexander is a shutdown corner, but the fact that there was no Julio Jones that game, and Calvin Ridley had zero targets or zero catches, rather, he had like about five targets the entire game. Um. I would love to think that that means that Jair is a shut, shut down corner and that that secondary is really coming into exactly what they drafted them to be. But uh, I, we'll have to see, you know, I, it's just, I mean, the fact that you have a team who is missing Devonte Adams is missing Alan Lazard, which are your, basically your two top wide receivers and your, your, your top target is big Bobby Tanyan, Robert Tanyan. Um, and you still win that game thirty to sixteen. Like, wh- I mean, what does anybody else have to say about that? Like, I don't. I mean, it's, it, it's what I mentioned in the first episode. We were talking about Aaron Rodgers. He turns anyone who comes on the field. It doesn't matter if Alan Lazard's out. It doesn't matter if Devontae Adams out. He turns anyone who comes onto that field into a a guy who can get you know the, as long as he can get open, he's going to find them and he's going to make those throws and you know get them in the end zone. Well, the, the precursor to that is they have to catch because. <laughs> MVS, as you can catch. <laughs> MVS would love to be that guy, but he can't fucking catch a ball to save his life. So he's he's sitting on the sidelines now because he had plenty of targets that game, and he just didn't catch any of them. Right. Literally, if you go look at all the fantasy analysts, they were all anticipating that as the the MVS breakout game, and and who caught three touchdowns? It was not Marquez Valdez. Marquez Valdez Scantling. Nope, not that guy. Not that mm-hmm. guy. It was Robert Tanya. Robert Tanyan. Um, big Bobby Tanyan. Big so, Bobby. You know, I like that. We'll, we'll take it. I I think actually it makes me happy that, that Tanyan was catching all those targets because he looks like a legitimate tight end. He looks like you're not paying an old washed up Mercedes Lewis, which we still have on the roster, or you're not paying an old washed up Jimmy Graham or whoever the fellow. Well, Mart- no longer Mart- washed up Jimmy Graham. Martellus Bennett had a – a season on the Packers where he was paid way too much money and didn't catch anything. Oh yeah. So the fact that you I've, have a guy who in, in Robert Tanyan, who also we will throw this out there. I think the Atlanta game was more of a 
product of the fact that defense sucked rather than the fact that he's good. But he also has caught three touchdowns in three straight games and has attributed a lot of his recent success into working the entire offseason with one George Kittle. So we're not going to complain about that. You know, he's a top elite tight end in this league. And if you're learning from him and learning notes from him, you're going to succeed. You're going to succeed. <laughs> you couldn't really ask for much more in terms of a, a mentor, especially in today's NFL, a guy who can who lay the wood like uh, like Kittle and then can also make plays and you know turn out a 15-catch, 180-yard game. You know, that's the, the guy you want. That's exactly the guy you want. A guy like Richard Rodgers, who, don't get me wrong, caught in a beautiful tight end against the Lions on Monday Night Football. <laughs> um, but he's not exactly a, an elite-tier tight end. Like he's, I don't even know where he is right now. He might even be on Detroit. Like I, I don't remember. Um, but if anyone knows where Richard Rodgers is, Tanyan, when you catch when you catch five targets and and a touchdown in three straight games, that's that's elite looking shit right there. So we'll take that all day, but we'll we'll just skip past that and go to the ironically striking comparisons between the 2011 Packers and the 2020 Packers, um, oh, and both on offense and defense. So that was Rodgers' career year. Rodgers threw for four, 4,600 yards and 45 touchdowns, <laughs> um, which is a – You're going to have to laugh at that shit. Yeah, right. 4,600 yards, 45 touchdowns, and six interceptions. That's a, a 9% touchdown percentage, and only 1.2% of his passes were completed for were, – were intercepted. And then we go to this year, 2020. Apparently, he's thrown zero interceptions this year. But he's on a 9.4 percentage touchdown pace this year. He has thrown for 1,200 yards and 13 touchdowns through five five games. I thought he was having. I thought last year was an off year. <laughs> <laughs> I thought last year was the beginning of the end. Now he's playing like his best season he's ever had. The beginning of the end of the beginning. The beginning of the new beginning. Yeah, seriously, the renaissance. Um, yeah, I think it's just incredible to see that the, that he is. Um, he is uh, just like having a, a, a new coming, you know, it's a new Aaron Rodgers. The Lafleur system is really working to his, to his benefit. He, they had flashes last year, right? You go back to the other yeah. game where he threw five or six touchdowns and, and they had that whole cocky exchange on the sidelines. Like you're happy with that, but this is just like every game. It feels like he's going to go out and do that because it's not. So Rodgers can throw to a contested wide receiver, but not only is Rodgers throwing to contested wide receivers when he needs to, but the offense is scheming wide receivers open to where Rodgers doesn't have to try that hard. He just chucks the ball into the flat, and there's a guy ready there ready to take the ball 8 to 10 yards away, you know? Exactly. And, of course, there's going to be that learning curve. No matter how long you've been in the league, no matter how good you are, there's going to be that learning curve when you've had a guy like Mike McCarthy as your coach your entire career to then now go into this brand-new system with this young coach, you know, different schemes, different things you're going to have to get used to. And it seems like it just took a year for Aaron Rodgers to be like, okay, I'm back doing my thing. And now he's better than maybe ever. Yeah, maybe ever. Me to say that, but I mean, I've seen it every Sunday since this season has started. The man is on a mission. You're absolutely right. He is on a mission, but the problem is the defense is not on a mission. And, and you, you, you compare the numbers to the 2011 season for Rodgers, but the embarrassing part is that the 2011 season can be compared to the defense as well. 
and you go back and you look. So in 2011, they were 31st in yards allowed per drive, and they were 23rd in points allowed per drive. And you go through 2020 defense through four games, it's a little bit better. They're 18th in yards allowed per drive and 20th in points allowed per drive. But if you go back and look at the actual value, so 35 yards allowed per drive per, for the for the Packers in 2011. In 2020, 35. In points, 1.89 in 2011, which is – this is Rodgers' MVP year, mind you. Like mm-hmm. this is the year after he won the Super Bowl, he came out and he dad-dicked the entire league. 15 and 1, yeah. Like- yeah, exactly. So 1.89 allowed per drive for that defense. Mm-hmm. When Rodgers was balling out for his 45 touchdowns and six interceptions. This year, 2.48 points allowed per drive. I I don't know. That might sound like a small number, but that is that is bottom 10 in the NFL. That is yeah. horrible. That is absolutely atrocious. And we've had injuries that marred the season and, and have been annoying so far. But the fact that you have a quarterback – who is playing at MVP caliber and and the and everybody looked at last year as this is the 13 and 3 is overperforming. This is above expectation. We are not supposed to be this good. And we are worse this year defensively and still 4 0. I don't know how to feel. I genuinely well, if I were you to feel fucking good. That's all I can say. I would feel like this team, like Aaron Rodgers, has, you know, a new sense of, you know. Just he's gonna go out there and say fuck you to everyone he plays. He's gonna put up a ton of points. You were talking earlier about how this is the era of the past, and Aaron Rodgers is I mean, he's the godfather of this era, I'd say. He's been he's been throwing the ball around, you know, schoolyard improvising his entire career. You know, he he was Patrick Mahomes before Patrick Mahomes. Not quite not quite as mobile, you could say. But I mean, still able to he's, bring the ball around the yard. Touchdown belt would like to say otherwise. <laughs> but I mean, I would feel fucking good if I were you. For me, I feel bad. I feel like this Packers team is, you know, gonna trounce through the rest of the season. I was looking at the. I'm skipping. Maybe I'm jumping a little ahead here, but I was looking at the remaining schedule for them. I mean, I'm looking at maybe two losses. Uh, I used to three. Uh, I'm looking well, at maybe two, but I, maybe one. It's still frustrating to look at the two losses and who they are and who they might be considering I just don't feel like this Packers team is a complete team. The offense is elite level and the defense is backyard football level. It's yeah, I mean, but I mean, look at the team, look at the team that won the Super Bowl last year. Sort of on the same level as that. No, nah, they sure up their defense big time in the bye. Um, they I mean, there's still time. There's still time for the Packers to hey. make those moves that they need to make. I mean, where, where, in terms, of, in, you. in terms of shoring up the defense, where do they need it? Well, I think, I think the linebackers is the linebacker core is a big, big gap right now. Our secondary is elite. I will not yeah. complain about Jack. I agree with that. That's, I mean, we people are are pissed that we Blake up, gave up Blake Martinez, and I'm not pissed about that because Blake Martinez costs way too much for what he actually brings to a team. But we don't have him anymore, and we don't have an elite linebacking group. So I think we really need to shore up that part of the defense. We are the defensive line is smart. 
The secondary is good. We just do not have quite the linebacker core I wish we could. You talked about remaining the schedule and it, it the remaining schedule. And it, it is pretty nice. I mean, we'll look. So we're sitting four and one right now, leading the division. Mm-hmm. And uh, I see I see conservatively, I see three losses on this card. We have the Bucks, the Texans, the Vikings. I see all those as wins in the next three weeks. Then we go to San Francisco, San Francisco on a Thursday night. And to be honest, I see them as a loss because they just seem to own the floor. I just don't think we have the the gall to beat beat the Niners out in the Bay. Um, I will say after watching them today, I I don't see them being able to stop. I mean, they, they let Ryan Fitzpatrick walk all over them, and I really don't see a guy like Aaron Rodgers having much trouble with their defense. I don't think it's on the same level as last year. They've been really hurt by injury. And I just and I don't see a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo causing trouble for this this defense, no matter how middling you think they are. No, you are that. right. They did bench Garoppolo, and that's that's pretty embarrassing. Yeah. CJ Beathard. Money. Um. So uh, yeah, but I'm I, like I said, I'm just going to play on the conservative side. Sure, sure, sure. Um. I get it. So I, believe me, I would rejoice from the rooftops if we walked out to the Bay Area and beat them on a Thursday night in San Francisco because yeah. after watching that game. Um, last year when that defense was all the trouble you guys have had. Yeah. And I remember wanting to just punch 14 walls. So um, if we went out there and beat them in the Bay area, I'd be thrilled. Um, Jags is an easy win for us. There's no issues there. Colts I say is a loss, but I, after watching them play my Browns today, uh, that may not actually be a loss. So I don't know. That could go either way. I could see that being a loss, but I could also see the Packers getting through that. Yeah, I feel like that's kind of an up in the air game. Depending on, like we were saying today, you know, no, no Leonard for um, for the Colts, and you know they kind of were missing a few pieces. But I mean, Baker looked really good, so I feel yeah. like if a guy like Rodgers goes out there and he can carve them up as well, right? And all you got to do is, you know, Baker had two picks against that defense, and they still still won. So mm-hmm. all you got to do is make sure you're 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 confusing Rivers. To the point where he can't figure it out, and then you know that's that's uh, you you can stop them easily. So so that could be that could easily be that could easily go either way. The Bears, um, that is uh, a game that's at Lambeau. I don't see the I don't see the Packers losing a divisional game at Lambeau. I just I, the way they're playing right now and Lafleur, the way he's coaching, that just doesn't seem like something that's going to be in their recipe for for what the season is. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't mean they don't ever lose a divisional game, and we'll get to that in a second, but I don't see them losing in Lambeau to a division rival. Um, the Eagles are a dumpster fire, as is the entire NFC East, so that's a win. Uh, the Lions is a win. The, pa- the Panthers, I think that's a win. The Packers are better than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Titans, that's also a win. Um, and then the Bears, I put this as a loss because I just think that um, – well. And I want to be concerned about it. I think at that point, the division is wrapped up. I think the Packers don't have anything to play for. The seeding is decided. And the Bears probably at that point have something to play for. When you have seven teams in a playoff position. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, not, that's not to say I don't believe in the Packers. But when you have a team like the Bears, who's probably fighting to try and maybe win a home game as a wild card team. Sure. They, they, they'll have more energy in that game. And that, you know, that's, again, not a fault against the Packers. The Packers might sit there and go, you know what? 
we're the three seed or we're the two. Sure, I mean, it could be a Jordan Love game. You know, it's like Jordan Love gets a shot out there. Or if I mean, a 13 and two. There's no point to us going out and trying to play our all in this game because we don't win. We don't gain anything from winning this game. We are where we are. I genuinely think that's how it's going to go. And I think that's a game at Soldier Field week 17 in the, in the heart of December. And that's a game that the Bears team will absolutely show up for because, you know, you have a less consistent quarterback play. You have a defense that's – you have a, a, a team structure who's going to get to the point where we, we need to win every game. Like 14, 15, 16, 17 are going to be crucial wins for the Bears, I think. And that's no no knock to the Bears as a team. That's just they, – they're going to need to win that shit. So you're going to have a, pa- a Packers team that's going to get back and goes, you know what? Two or three, it doesn't matter. We still host a playoff game. And you have the Bears going, no, we could get to four. We could we could host a playoff exactly. game. We're going to be fighting. We're gonna, every game is going to matter. For the, they're not going to be coasting right. in any game. And, and that's, again, and it's not an insult to the Bears either. Like they No, it's just how the team is built. Yeah, exactly. And that's – so I genuinely think when you look at the the Packers schedule, it's going to be a – it's going to be like a, a two or three loss team – and it's gonna smack in the face of everybody thinking that we're the worst thirteen and three team you ever seen in history last year. And even if you lose week seventeen, people aren't gonna look at that and go, "Wow, you fucking idiot! How they could you right. blow against the Bears at home?" Like, I will. I will. Well, you will because you're a Bears fan. <laughs> so, like, that's a different story. But most neutral fans won't sit there and go, "Oh, you you lost the Bears week seventeen on the road." Like, right? Hey, cool. We still hosted the set six overall seed. So. At home at Lambo. Yeah. Fine. Whatever. I don't care. Go mm-hmm. for it. Well, that's thir- 13 and 3. I mean, I think that's, I mean, that's got to be up with, I mean, top seeds. I mean, who else is going to be fighting for that kind of record in the Ooh, NFC? That's conservative. That's conservative. 13 and 3 is conservative. Oh, well, and it's, I, I hate to be cocky and say that, but like, no, but I agree. I mean, at the, the, the first pace time they're on, they're under 40 points in the game last Monday. Mm-hmm. It's hard right now. It's it's hard to say and look and going and go, yeah. Much the hurts this, that kind of thing. This, and this team can be this and this can be like the, to me to sit there and say that the Niners and the Colts and the Bears can beat us, like that's like I, I feel like I'm trying to be generous. <laughs> sure. It's like a coin toss really at this point. Yeah. I mean I could easily see you guys sitting at 14 and 2, 15 and 1 at the end of the season as much as I hate to say that, but with Aaron Rodgers playing the way he is you don't need much from the defense, just enough to keep you to get you guys by. You need a league out of defense at best. Yeah, it's sort of like the opposite of what the Bears are at right now, where the Bears need their defense to be at elite level and just the quarterback and offense just to do just enough to get by. <laughs> One and it further different boats, friend. It further proves the point of Rodgers just needs a uh, a threat to him at a starting position, and he goes, "Fuck you! I'm going to win this shit and be MVP." Yeah, I'm still Aaron Rodgers, bitch. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, Matt LaFleur, the the takeaway from this episode is Matt LaFleur's big brain for drafting Jordan Love because he got the best out of Rodgers and the Packers are going to win the division. That's like, that's galaxy brain shit. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, that's, I mean, then you go little brain, like, like the the monkey like clapping with the symbols, and that's Matt Nagy uh, bringing you know or Ryan Pace. No, that's Ryan Pace drafting Mitch Trubisky number two overall, and then trading, trading up to get him, and then trading for Nick Foles to replace him. You know that's that's like the monkey with the symbol uh, in your brain. 
that's the yeah that, those are the levels man it's levels so this shit. Man. <laughs> <laughs> fuck off <laughs> that's enough that's quite enough for this week quite enough right <laughs> any other any other mental or physical abuse you want to go through at this point no i'm about to be four and one in fantasy so i'm a happy guy i can't hey, complain and the bears and packers are both four win teams so you can't complain I can, and I will. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, if you got, if you don't have anything else, um, I think we can wrap this one up for the weekend. Absolutely. Uh, for Evan, I am Frank. I'm Evan. Um, follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Twitter. Email us if you want at uh, waron94pod at gmail.com. Follow us at waron94pod and Twitter. You can also follow us on Instagram now. We got an Instagram. Follow us at War on Ninety Four Pod on there. All War on Ninety Four Pod. Period. on dot Ninety Four Pod. War on dot on Ninety Four Pod. Hey, and also <laughs> Old Francis with a one on Twitter. And yes, sir. War on Ninety Four Pod underscore or War on Ninety Four underscore Evan on Twitter, and that is where you'll find all our sports takes. Yes. Um, and yeah, you know, yes, sir. Yes, sir.